0: So, this is your second media interview of the day.
1: Yeah. Uh, Entertainment Weekly. (laughs) That's pretty good. Has a channel on Sirius. Okay. So, I did their show Entertainment Weirdly, which was actually a lot of fun. So, I only wish I had Sirius so that I could... Entertainment, so so
0: were you doing like were you talking vampires or what was the Uh
1: well they yeah they they talked more about the off the beaten path stuff. Yeah. Um hence they're having a comic book guy on. Mm-hmm.
0: So What thing were you least prepared to talk about? <laughs> what thing like really threw you off?
1: Uh well I mean they talked about a lot of stuff cuz I mean it was everything from closing the show with uh, talking about Jim Henson's weirder I... Projects like Fraggle Rock, and oh, 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 Labyrinth, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so yeah. forth. I too. was,
0: you got this Labyrinth coaster here, and I was just, I had just read a book about him, and apparently Sting was the first choice uh, for the David Bowie character. Okay, <laughs> I think history is a little, little better for him having not accepted that.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it doesn't seem to have tarnished Bowie in any. Really, particularly perceptible way, yeah. but uh, well, then again, you know, it's funny though because I mean, their crotches both played such a crucial part. I mean, Sting's crotch plays a big role in Dune, yeah. And then you've got David Bowie with his massive action going piece, on yeah. in his yeah. in fights. So, but at least Sting didn't have to wear a hideous kind of uh, a mullet wig. So,
0: yeah, he had he's had some weird hairstyles. Though he was like in the Quadrophenia movie, he's definitely yeah, had But some his weird... hair looked. His hair uh, looks suitable for be- Better than... Better. Nothing looks better than, I
1: mean, rather, I should say nothing looks worse than that sort of dime store prostitute wig they gave Bowie. But it
0: worked. But, you know, if anybody was going to pull off, it was going to be David Bowie. And he didn't. didn't So so? So that means nobody could. I don't know. I guess I guess having I guess I'm biased having seen that movie at, at, you know, five for the first time. I was going
1: to say I'm older than you. So by the time that one rolled along, I was just kind of like, yeah, this is this. I love Henson. This is not doing it for me. Yeah, (laughs) I've never been able to get through that one.
0: I yeah I really want to I really want to fall for a a Jim Henson like well not H- Jim Henson but a Henson project again but I just don't know I, I feel like I feel like there's a window you know I mean I there, certainly some people are are capable of loving everything Muppet related but I just I don't know if I'm ever gonna have that love for another Muppet project again and it's it's hurting me Bob okay <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. We can hug when when the show's over. No, I over.
0: just, I just, you, you get to you get to that age and you start to wonder, like, you know, are are, are these are, are these things just you know actually not as good as they used to be, or am I just you know too old from a
1: little from column A? You a think so? From column B? You think,
0: you think things have just gotten just worse in general? Pul- no, pulterized. I
1: definitely don't. I'm not one of those. I think uh, some things are better now than they've ever been. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I, that's. I mean, that's something I've. It's not that I consciously fight against it, but I notice among peers, Mm -hmm. and when I say peers, I don't mean people uh, who do the same thing, but people who are in the same age bracket, demographic. Yeah, yeah. the demographic that there's one thing I consciously don't want to be, which is one of those people who, at a certain point, just becomes nostalgic and everything was better. Before fill in the blank. Yeah. You know, because it's bullshit. I mean, there's always good stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, I can, I can honestly say, but I think people of every generation have said the bad stuff's never been as bad as it's been. Yeah. But the good stuff I think's also never been as good. I mean, we're living in this truly golden age of scripted television. Mm -hmm. There is so much good long form storytelling being done on TV now And no other generation's television can compare to it. And there's also never been worse unscripted. And I'm doing air quotes for people listening because, of course, reality shows are completely scripted. Um, But, I mean, nothing's been worse than that. But, you know, and I, you know, I, again, it's like any, I have friends who will say, oh, there's no good music anymore. Of course there is. Yeah, yeah, there's no good this. Of course there is. You know, it's like there's there's great stuff all over the place. I'm I'm constantly given the fact that I'm predisposed to a certain negativity. Uh, I'm constantly amazed at how dazzled I am, by, yeah. how, by how much great stuff there is.
0: It's this weird paradox that there's. I, I I would agree with you, but you know, I think the paradox is that there's more. There's more good stuff than ever before because there's more stuff than ever before. That's true. But that right? good stuff is now harder to find because there's so much stuff out there. I mean, there's just there's mo- There's a lot more noise, I guess, is, is the point.
1: Well, certainly, yeah. There's certainly more stuff competing for your attention and for your money. But, you know, I mean, and I'm also a gamer. So, like, for me, I feel like I'm lucky that, <laughs> that I'm still young enough to have the dexterity to play all these video games that are, you know, out now because... Uh, that's that's that to me is the you know the field that i th- that's the field i yearn to be in the hmm. most because i think it's the most exciting entertainment field and also storytelling field cuz yeah. as gaming gets more sophisticated so does the storytelling you know
0: we, well, we were talking about Scott Campbell before because he's made these beautiful coasters, and I and, know that- and
1: I'm familiar with him because of video games. Yeah. you know that's where I know his work from is from Psychonauts and and Brutal Legend. You know, I I knew I knew him as a designer for Psychonauts, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so when I started seeing his his own stuff, it was just like, oh yeah, that guy, that guy's great. Yeah,
0: have have you done anything in the space?
1: I haven't. Um, you know, I'd I'd love to do something in in some capacity in the gaming world. Yeah. I pursued it at a remove through um through my manager trying to see if I could get a writing gig mm. on a on a franchise that I really like, but uh, the studio or uh developer uh, does everything in house. Yeah. So there wasn't a, an opportunity there. But, you know, I think it would be very exciting.
0: Well, it, it it seems like their video games are going a very similar route to um, music and, and comics before them, and that you know the the indie scene is really is, is. I mean, you know, Scott Campbell's work I think is a, a lot of it is a, is a pretty good example of um, uh, how big indie gaming is getting.
1: Yeah, except the thing is, the work that he did in gaming was for AAA. You know, well, he did um, titles. Yeah, but
0: what is what? I'm, not, I'm blanking on the name, but he's definitely done some smaller um, indie stuff as well. Oh, has it? You see, that's the yeah. stuff
1: I guess I haven't seen. But uh, you know, I mean, the two, the two that I mentioned were both, you know, really yeah. major major but, releases. But I
0: guess I you know I I I, I guess uh the, the the point I was trying to make is you know there should be like anything else right there should be more opportunity for um, yeah. smaller smaller publishing than ever before.
1: Yeah, and I've been thinking about it a lot lately, you know, there are a couple du- th- Double Fine. Double Fine? Yeah, Double Fine. Yeah. Yeah, which is an independent. Studio. I mean, now they're, they've yeah. gone the route of Kickstarter. They're yeah. one of the biggest Kickstarter successes to date, you know, they they were trying to raise I think it was they were trying to raise four hundred thousand dollars to do their most recent game. They ended up raising over three million, so you know, which just shows how many people love yeah. you know, Double Fine. And I kicked in for that one. That's one of the few Kickstarters I've kicked in for that actually delivered. Uh, <laughs> but that's a whole other. Yeah, that's that's either another conversation or that's uh, later in this conversation. We can
0: we can definitely circle back to that because uh, yeah. I think it's all it's all intertwined. Well, let, let's um, I mean, let, let's talk about the the reboot of of the book. I mean, did 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 the deal with image come first, or did the idea of getting back into it come first?
1: No, the idea of starting it up again kind of just came organically. Uh, and and in a way as a big I mean, nobody was more surprised to be getting back to work on minimum wage than me, because I really for the longest while, because it has been, you know, I mean, the last serial issue came out in ninety nine. Hmm. So that's a long time ago. And, you know, and in, in in all those passing years. Anytime I thought about it it became more and more of a Yeah, I'm never gonna get back to that. You know, at a certain you know, the first few years it's like, Of course I'll get back to it and then another few years go by and it's like, maybe I'll get back to but it. But you
0: leave it but you leave it thinking that that it's not over.
1: Oh, I definitely I mean the ending that I put on it in for, for the beg the question, yeah. you know, collected version was deliberately a very open and ended Mm -hmm. and kind of oblique ending because i thought i do want to be able to come back to this um but i just never thought i would but putting putting that uh the big maximum minimum wage collection together for image Mm -hmm. which i thought was going to be the end of the road again it was just like we'll do a really nice deluxe collection this will have everything so forth and then
0: this is like the bow Unclosing on the. Closing the book yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. you know on
1: yeah. on that, but putting the collection together, and also working with image, and feeling they were, you know, not just receptive but really encouraging. Uh, it seemed like this is a this is a healthy environment, hmm. and really one of the only things that ever kept me from coming back to it was just, uh, you know, the practical. Can I make a living? Sure. And the deal that I made with Image made it possible that I could actually get back to work on this, and it wouldn't be a hardship, you know. Because honestly, doing it for Fantagraphics was great, but you know, my running joke, and it's a running joke that I've made this running joke before, but that was that I made less than minimum wage yeah. doing it. Yeah. You know. So well, they
0: just had a Kickstarter like to, to put out books, I exactly.
1: Mean. And you know, and and you know that. that A lot of people I know were saying, oh, do you think that's a good thing? I think that's a bad thing or, you know, whatever. I actually thought it was a good thing because I Mm -hmm. thought, well, one, they can actually deliver on the promises they make. You know, they're not some fly-by-night operation. And if they say, well, if you kick in this much, you'll get this book and it'll be signed or it'll have this or this. this," It's like, yeah, they're going to deliver everything. Mm -hmm. And if that's what it takes these days to keep a company like Fantagraphic Solvent, then I think, great, I'm glad they're doing that because – you know the way I kind of argued on on their behalf to the to the few naysayer friends of mine who were who thought it was maybe unseemly or whatever. Yeah. I said, "What would you rather they do that or go out of business?" Yeah, and they were all kind of like, "I'd rather they, they do that."
0: Yeah, and I, I, you know, I, uh, I, I put I put in. I didn't have a, a ton of money at the time, but I put in and, and essentially bought a book. You know, it was I, I essentially paid the amount of money that a book would. My, this just happened to be signed by R. crumb, but. Yeah, but it's, I, yeah, you're buying a yeah, pre-order. You know yeah.
1: what's so bad about that?
0: Yeah, I yeah uh, I guess. I guess it's not a well that you can keep going back to.
1: Probably not. But the thing is, though, if. Yeah, I mean, I wonder—is this like now the annual? Yeah. You know, does it become like PBS Plunge Drive? Yeah, where you know yeah. they are like get a fanographics tote bag. Yeah. You know, we have our operators sitting here. You know, Oh, you, can, you know Sam think, Watterson's waiting for
0: your call. I think people would do a fanographics tote bag. I don't think that's probably too far yeah, off. Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's as merchandise goes. That's a, yeah. that's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what what uh, what ended it in the first place though? Why why did you stop working? It was just it was just the. It was the a number, money. It, well no, it was a number of things. Um
1: some of it was just a growing dissatisfaction with the fact that the numbers not only were never getting anywhere near mm. I mean there was just like it was like it had its following. Yeah. but it was never a following that in a way justified the amount of work that went mm. in. You know, especially when you're like getting a low advance, you think, well, you know, if it sells above a such and such yeah. you will get a royalty. That wasn't happening. And a, ser-
0: and a serial book, like, after a certain point, you know, if people aren't reading the early right. issues, they're not going to start it with issue 10.
1: Right. So, yeah, there were, I mean, there were a number of practical things, and there were a number of other things. I mean, the practical things were I was putting it out sporadically because yeah. I was taking paying gigs. You know, it would be like I'll do a paying gig for a few months, then I'll do a, a, an issue of minimum wage. And that's another way never to build an audience because unless you've got, like, you know, like with like someone like Dan Klaus... Mm-hmm where maybe it was, like, 8-Ball coming out once a year, there was such a sense of anticipation. It's like, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. You know, I mean, there were very few comics that if I knew a new issue was going to be coming out, it's like, i got to be there on Mm -hmm. new comic day. And, you know, 8-Ball was one of those. It's like, I must have it immediately. But, you know, with minimum wage, coming out, you know, one year, there'd be, like, two issues. Another year, it would be three issues. It's hard to, you know, hold on to your audience... Um but the other thing is at that point I was I was following more of a template of even though it was always informed by my real life it wasn't strict autobiography mm-hmm. but I knew the next patch coming up was going to be miserable hmm. and at a certain point I thought all right, I'm not making any money, I'm not reaching a huge audience, and I'm now going to be, in the words of the character in Big Lebowski, headed you know for a world of pain. Yeah. But, just, but it's just
0: about to get good, though, right, from the was, standpoint of the reader.
1: It, well, yeah, in a way, it was about to get good and get bad, and I just thought, I just don't even want to do it. I hmm. just, um, I, I need a break, you know? Yeah. So, And I also, at that time, was becoming much more interested in, in the idea of writing prose. Hmm. I just really... And in a way, beg the question, you know, I've, I wrote this whole kind of mea culpa in, in maximum minimum wage about how, beg the question, I had made so many wrongheaded choices mm. about it, but so many of them were informed by this desire for legitimacy.
0: I got to actually, that that brings up uh, the question of the the title of... The question. is oh, it was that, was that Okay, yeah. It
1: was pure idiocy. You to know? not name
0: it the same thing that the book had been called? Yeah.
1: Every, every decision I made was about as wrong a decision as I could make. And, you know, what am I going to do? I'll have a photo cover yeah. instead of an illustration with the familiar characters. I won't have the title that everyone knows. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make it really small. It looks like a novel. I mean, Hmm. that's the thing. You know, that book looks like a novel because I so desperately was like, ooh, I just want... It's, you know, there's this thing about how comedians like Jim Carrey and, you know, Robin Williams and all that, they want to be taken seriously. Serious movie, yeah. And I kind of, you know, fell into that trap of the funny guy who wanted to be taken seriously and you know <laughs> much like many of their results the results were not great you know yeah and that's not to say actually beg the question performed pretty well but i just think my choices were sorry fantagraphics but my choices weren't great um and uh but you know i started writing prose you know I just was like i want to write novels and I did, you know, so it was just, I was just in a restless kind yeah. of place, and, and I needed to get away from minimum wage.
0: and Funny novels, though. Humorous novels. Well, the first novel I
1: wrote, I mean, I wrote more than I sold. I only, only two got published, but the first book I wrote was just a, a flat-out funny novel. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't read it really since the last edit that I did, you know, that went mm-hmm. out with my agent. Um so I don't even know if it would hold up. I know it would be very dated at this point. It's amazing how dated something yeah. written in two thousand can be. Uh actually a lot of that book has since ended up in, in popular entertainment done by other people. So now not only would it seem dated, it would seem like I was horning in. But um it was a good exercise and, you know, kinda got the
0: juices flowing and um I, you know, I, I guess so the the fact that Beg the question sold well is kind of an indication, um, and 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 certainly, certainly with indie comics, I don't know, I, I I don't I don't know any exact numbers, but it seems like people are more drawn toward collections or towards you know towards thicker books. So why why go back to the floppies? Well, I mean, in the in the
1: case of new minimum wage, I think it's it's. Uh... That Well, for one thing, that's kind of the, the image business model. Mm. But uh, it's also a way of, of getting something out on a regular basis, reestablishing, you know, the audience. Yeah, yeah you uh, you said
0: you say that in the uh, letter section, I think, of, of both of the first two issues. that Like, okay, we're doing this. Or we're doing this every month. This is going to be a monthly yeah. book. Yeah, and that's
1: the other thing. Since people now can actually count on it, it like I was saying before, it, mm-hmm. would cut, it used to come out very piecemeal. And now it will be six months on, probably six months off. I mean, I'm really, I'm I'm so much treating this new series in TV terms, like mm. in my head. I mean, I, in my head, I refer to this as minimum wage season one, yeah. you know, and it's so uh, a lot of the way particularly cable and basic cable type shows seem to be done these days is half seasons, mm-hmm. you know. Where it'll they'll air however many eight or ten episodes mm-hmm. and then it goes away for you know half a year and then it comes back. It's
0: kind of the British model. Yeah, so that's that's
1: yeah, yeah actually yeah And I mean it, mine is very BBC friendly because it's also six issues on and then and then goes away and yeah. I know all pretty much all British shows are six episodes per per series so. Yeah, it just it it seems to make sense and that way I can really devote my time to it, do it right, it comes out on a schedule, mm-hmm. it will get collected as
0: a trade, you know, and then So you're so you're you're like working full-time minimum wage. Sounds good. Full-time minimum wage for um for a certain window of time, do you go off and work on something else or do you just start No, I'll just be
1: two? I'll just be starting the second time. So arc. minimum
0: wage is is your job right now.
1: That is my job right now, yeah. yeah. And it's you know it's good. I mean, because it's it's nice to be able to. I mean, that's the other thing when when you know over the, over the course of my career, some of the let's say erratic nature of my work has been driven by kind of a, a how would a nice way to put it would be restless creativity, hmm. and the other would be also the whole throwing things at a wall and seeing what sticks. Hmm. You know, it's like, I'll try this, I'll try that. I mean, there's a certain degree of creative desperation that's, you know, maybe this will be the one, maybe this will be the one. So, uh, I mean, there's so many different kinds of things that I do want to do before I hang up my spurs. But for now, you know, I'm I'm happy to just be doing one because yeah. it's also, it can be incredibly, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not distracting, but it, it, you know, it's, it's, it, it, when you're working on a variety of projects mm-hmm. at once, it's hard to really lock into a mindset. Sure. And I kind of prefer just being able to focus.
0: And you've got, I mean, for this, you've got, as you said, it's, it's not straight autobiography, but you've really got to put yourself in a time because this is, it's still, It's still like 10 years ago, right?
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like when I was doing the first run of Minimum Wage, it was set when I was doing Mm -hmm. it. I mean, I was looking back at a younger version of myself, so really the events or whatever that I was portraying were about a decade earlier, but I had updated it to the mid-'90s. But now, since the story's only moved forward three years, Mm. since the last issue, it's the the year 2000, and even there it was like, How do I choose how many years to move forward? And I just—it was almost as arbitrary as two thousand's got a nice round number to it. And I don't want Rob to be that much older. I want some time to have elapsed, but not a lot. You know, some people have have uh, asked me why didn't you just move it to now? Because I don't want to draw Rob as a middle-aged guy. It's that's not interesting to me. I don't want him to have lived that much.
0: It might be interesting to you in ten years, though. It, it's just hard to. It's probably hard to get out of it at the moment. You yeah, know?
1: it might. But also, I just. It to me, in a way, the story is. It is the story of a younger guy. Yeah. I
0: mean. So so three years. Did you you know as, as you were saying earlier, you were um you know you were headed toward the bad time. Did you just kind of scoot past the bad time? I did scoot past the bad time to give him a different kind of bad time. Mm. You know.
1: Um, really, the other reason why it took me as long to get back to it was sort of this mental block of how do I resume the story and Mm. do I just start literally with like chapter next or where do I pick up the story? And really once it was you know just one of those little mini epiphanies of, oh, I can just skip that bad patch. And actually it it felt more interesting to me because when I think of the thing as a whole, I thought – the last thing you saw was him saying "I do," yeah. and then you pick up with him going through a divorce. And to me, in a, in a way, as a storyteller, that felt more interesting to me because yeah. it's like, what did happen, you know? And then there's ways as I move okay. forward with the story, I can address those things. Yeah, and I don't know, you know, I don't want to do spoilers for what's coming next, but I can say his past does catch up with him a bit. I don't ever want to do flashbacks. I think flashbacks are cheesy, mm-hmm. but um, there are definitely parts of the three years that we're not seeing hmm. that will become more manifest as the series moves forward, and that to me is a more interesting way of dealing with
0: it. So, is, is it uh, is it easier? Is it easier being more removed from from that timeline? Is it is it easier you know being a little further away from it? it's it's easier in some way well yeah i mean it well the other thing is
1: also i realized again from the fact that the bulk of the work i've done professionally has been fiction mm. i have and this was again the other the other the two epiphanies that happened to me with with resuming minimum wage were one moving it forward a couple of years yeah and the other is I'm not beholden to my own life for source material. Mm. I know how to craft fiction. Yeah. The point now, though, is can I craft fiction where the fiction and the stuff based on my life mesh seamlessly? Yeah. And I think, I think I'm think i good enough at my craft to be able to do that. And I've had people already question some of the things. I mean, there will be more stuff coming. But uh, people have asked me, did that happen? And I figure if people are asking me who know me... yeah. It's like okay, I've crafted my story well enough that even people who know me well aren't sure what's real and what isn't real. So that that to me will keep it more interesting. So it's be- le- it's less autobiographical than it was? It is and it, and it will be more so. Yeah. Um just because again, at a certain point mining your own life for source material becomes very limiting because the I mean, the other thing is, you know, I've I've been married now. Um For going on 20 years Mm. and I have a happy marriage that's boring you know it's wonderful to live it's not great as source material Mm. and the other thing is you know I don't have any interest in sharing my actual present life with a readership Mm. you know my wife doesn't need people reading about that I don't need people reading about it which is another reason why Rob being single and kind of untethered is is more fertile for, for things to happen
0: it's interesting though, because you know, like you said, I guess happy is 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 boring in a sense, but um, which I you know would lead me to to assume that that kind of the most miserable part might be the most interesting. You know, that- oh,
1: definitely, and 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 again, this isn't necessarily a spoiler, but some serious miseries headed his way. Um, yeah, and I think it will be interesting. Um,
0: I do. You know, it's it's funny because I'm. You know, I've been I've been in the city for. I guess I guess about 10 years now and I and and I do like I, 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 I hate I hate to admit it but it's true like you know do, do, do you ever get like you ever get nostalgia for the misery in a, in a weird sense of just like the um scraping by days you know when, it, when no no you don't okay maybe that's just <laughs> I mean me. for one thing I you know I I'm not gonna
1: claim to I don't want to claim any kind of major hardship, but I have enough to keep me sure. sort of—I mean, okay. sort of—in a perpetual state <laughs> let's, of let's, anxiety. Let's put, our,
0: let's put ourselves in, in, in a place. Though. I mean, this is, a ni- this is a nice apartment. It's a mm-hmm. nice neighborhood. You know, you seem to be doing all right for yourself.
1: Yeah, I'm very comfortable. So,
0: yeah, <laughs> um, but you know, I, I,
1: I've always been good at manufacturing, as I say, a certain kind of anxiety. So mm-hmm. that—that's not.
0: You'll find something. I'll find something. About,
1: yeah. yeah, but you know, but at the other. On the other side of it, though is yeah, i really I have a nice life, so again, that wouldn't be very interesting to write about, sure it's like, oh. sure, and even there i it's like funny how I mean, I just got this this letter that'll be in the in the next letters column where somebody wrote in and was saying something about like, do all of Rob's friends have housekeepers, you know, because they have fairly tidy places and whatever yeah. you and I am writing about particularly a lot of single. Excuse me, I'm suppressing a burp here. Uh, single young men, yeah, um, and I prefer to think of it as a certain kind of. Uh... Austerity than, than cleanliness. You know, there's that, that thing of particularly young men in their first apartments where they don't have much in the way of furniture. So it's like there's a couch, there's yeah. a TV. It's not necessarily neat. It's just sort of under, it's very sparse. There's just not as much stuff so, to leave all over the place. Yeah, and then I've got, you know, the other friend who in this issue I'm hoping will make this reader say, ah, okay, never mind because there's yeah. the friend who lives among his, you know, 900 comic long boxes and stuff, you know, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've, we, we've got a fair amount of paraphernalia here, but it's all very neatly arranged
1: yes I'm a tidy person <laughs> <laughs> and you're married to it I think yes I probably indeed yeah. so so
0: so putting this um again merging uh, mer- merging uh, fiction and nonfiction for for a second putting this on your timeline so if it's, we're starting I guess around 2000 we we would have been we're sort of starting after you ended the series in real life right yeah um, is that I mean, is working on minimum wage, is that where, in a sense, your life really diverged from his life? Is that what made things different for you? No, not really, because, I mean, again, like I say, when I was doing minimum
1: wage in the first run, it was already a decade after I yeah. was fictionalizing, you know, the, the the real events that I was fictionalizing. So there's always been this kind of remove, and,
0: and in a way, now the remove is even longer. And But it, I guess, I mean, you know, it it... it Maybe it gave you, you know, more professional meaning than he he has in this story, than than the fictional version of you has.
1: Oh, I, well, I definitely, and that's definitely something that I'm going to be addressing more and more, mm-hmm. is this disconnect in a way of when you've got a a talent and you feel at a certain point you're yeah. misusing it. I won't say abusing it. Well, in his case, maybe abusing it, but also misusing it where you're, you know uh, if you have this desire to do personal work and then you're just doing job after job at a certain point, it does just begin to feel like a job. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, even though you're actually drawing all day long, if it has little or no meaning to you on a personal level. Yeah. I mean, the thing about art, which is a pretty lofty word anyway, uh, if it if it doesn't really have any personal meaning for you, is it even art mm. or is it just a skill, you know, that you're just applying the way a yep. yes, skilled any craftsman is applying their craft? Uh,
0: that, I mean, that's that's, you know, and, and I come back to this question a lot with 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 artists. But and, and it's something that I've um, I've grappled with a lot my, myself with with my writing is um you know, when 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 picking these sort of you know these shitty jobs that we all have to take to 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 survive, um, is is it best to is it best to to do something close to what you'd like to do? I mean, is that I, I guess you know does 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 that ruin it a little bit? You know, if you're, I wonder. Uh, yeah, I I wonder about that. I mean,
1: for me. one of the i think one of the pivotal deciding factors was if you're doing work also that you don't love and it's also not even paying that well. Yeah. Why are you doing it? You know, I mean if you're doing something that doesn't really have much meaning to you but you're getting a, a nice paycheck, well then there's your yeah. you 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 can easily rationalize the time yeah. spent. But if what you're doing doesn't pay appreciably more than doing something meaningful for you would, then, then, then you're in this kind of weird gray zone of like, "Wait, what am I doing?" Um, you know, part of putting Rob as a single guy, and he suddenly he doesn't have a roommate, you know he' mm-hmm. he's in an apartment on his own. He's got his motivation. I remember years ago talking about uh, the illustrator J. C. Lyendecker, mm-hmm. you know, one of the greatest illustrators there ever was. Apparently, he lived lavishly and beyond his means. So that he would constantly be motivated to work. And that's always been very interesting to me. So, you know, I've now, we haven't gotten by the, I don't know when this will be being posted. Probably about a month from now. So then this issue, this issue will be out by then. So this isn't any spoilers, but Rob has now gotten his, you know, first apartment as a single guy. Mm. And he's kind of reflecting on the fact he's never lived alone. Yeah. You know, he... he was Because he's back with his mom, right, at the beginning of the series? Yeah. So yeah. we've gone from him being roommates with Jack yeah. to living with Sylvia to moving back in with his mom. And now he's got a place of his own. And it's a conscious decision. You know, he wanted a place of his own. He didn't want a roommate situation. But at the same time, he's a guy who's now got a single rent and he's a single person. He's got to work. So he's now got to work on things he doesn't really want
0: to do yeah to and, live, to live a certain lifestyle and the work that he gave him and i think i think that this is um if i remember correctly this is something drawn from real life but the, you know not not the work that he gave him is not only something that he didn't want to do but it's you know it's kind of in filth bags right i mean he's doing well
1: that. and the thing well now he's segueing because that's the other thing that again since this takes place in 2000 it's the internet exists yeah. it's still not the behemoth that it's become now, but he already knows print porn is going away. (laughs) You know, that is one of the the things is he knows his oasis is drying up. So he's got to branch out. So he ends up getting a gig on a franchise book. Mm. So he's moving from one area that was easy money. I mean, that's the thing about him having done the porn. It was always decent paying easy money. It's just not particularly edifying. So now he's moving into an area that, Is also not what he really wants to do, but it's more than a lateral move. I mean, on the one Mm. hand, he can hold his head up and not be ashamed uh, of what he's doing because it's filth, but it's still not what he wants to be doing. But it's a gig, you know. It's this is. I mean, it's the story of a guy who's doing work to you know
0: to be to, to be able to pay for his life. 'Cause, you, cause you, you you had done similar work, right? The, oh uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The magazine,
1: yeah. And the thing you know, the thing is again, because Rob it always kinda bugs me when people will say to me, like, oh, I love that part where you were doing so, so. No, it's not me. Yeah. It's Rob. I mean there's yeah. a reason he's Rob Hoffman.
0: Um you could have easily have just made him you.
1: Oh, easily. And yeah. then it, but then, you know uh well that's a whole that's a whole other thing. But like Rob's relationship with what he does is is a bit different than hmm. mine has been with with certain things. And like he's working on Now This Franchise book. Um and it's a superhero kind yeah. of thing. Uh, yeah, I did do uh, something similar and it was a perfectly fine experience for him, because I like beating him up, you know, it's gotta be a somewhat more yeah. <laughs> it's gotta be a more tenuous relationship yeah. with the material than I had. He's your id in a sense right? Yeah and he's also younger you <laughs> yeah. know everything is a little bit more raw for him
0: but the, the so when, when, you were, when you were doing the, the adult books because um, you know, as, you, as you said he's, he's, he's kind of sort of I don't know if shamed is the right word but not proud but I'm wondering um, you know if, you, if let's say you, you go to a party you meet somebody new uh, at that time period how do you what do you say to them when they ask you what you do?
1: I Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. I, I know that I... Well, see, this is the thing. There's always been this part of the way I'm wired, which is part of why I was stupid enough never to use a pen name. I mean, that's the one regret that I have for doing... In, in the porn books. Yeah, yeah, for doing the adult stuff that I did was I wish I had used a pseudonym. Because that stuff, it can eventually yeah. come back to haunt you. you know? If you want to do a kid's book. Exactly, might be, yeah. and I've written a few kid's books that yeah. I you know, I haven't sold, and that I didn't sell them. It had nothing to do with yeah. my, my, my sordid past. So if, you know, if Johnny Ryan can get <laughs> work doing kid's stuff. That, that's true, <laughs> and I have never matched any of his yeah. stripe of filth. But, uh, well, no, I probably have here and there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I always had enough work that I was doing for polite society Mm -hmm. that I could just say, I'm a freelance illustrator, you know, because in those days I was also like working for the village voice or for, you know, various other magazines doing spot illustrations, that kind of thing. So there was a way around it. I read this uh, essay a few years ago by um, uh, Robert Silverberg, Mm -hmm. the sci-fi writer. He wrote this essay about how he bought his, very nice home in Connecticut, writing nothing but adult novels. And they were all pseudonymous, you know, he would, and he churned out, I mean, this is, even if they're garbage, and I bet they weren't garbage. He actually, in this thing, says he made it, it was a point of pride that they were actually well-written. But he was writing, like, three of these books a week. Like, a book, you know, even if they're slim books. He was writing book after book after book after book, and But he was also publishing under his own name, yeah. writing science fiction. So he bought this beautiful house in Connecticut. And he said he would have parties. And he never disabused his guests of the mm. idea that sci-fi paid really well. Because <laughs> he wouldn't own up to, you know, the porn. Mm. I mean, it wasn't really porn in those days. It was, I mean, he makes a point of saying it wasn't really porn, but they were adult. And yeah, he just let people assume that writing sci-fi paid really well. So... Yeah you know i guess i kind of fell into the same thing of it's not like i was living lavishly but let people assume my work for the voice or
0: this or that pays enough to live but but while making a mistake of doing it under under your own name yeah exactly yeah. but but you know i guess in a sense you you end up embracing it by giving rob that job
1: yeah i suppose i don't know
0: i'm i'm sorry i'm just like totally i'm totally fascinated by 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 that world and i you know like a <laughs> At a coworker who who was in in the the kind of the publishing end of that, you know, does it is it is it um, does it take you a while to get used to it? Does it take you a while to sort of um, not justify but the adult stuff? Yeah, it is. I can say this. It is so long ago,
1: uh, but no, that stuff was easy as. Yeah. as they say, falling off a log. I mean, because I always was also kind of predisposed to having a smutty imagination. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't really a leap when somebody said, hey, you know, you could make decent money. I mean, I grew up reading underground comics and Playboy and, you know, seeing mm-hmm. Annie Fanny and so forth and so on. So for me, it was just like, oh, I can get paid to draw dirty pictures? Sure. Why not? Do, do, you, do you
0: talk about the... Um the the superhero work you did, the mainstream work you did. Well, what do you mean? Do I talk about? Um, it? I I don't know because you you sort of alluded to it before without really.
1: Yeah, no, I'm happy to okay.
0: talk about it. Um, I'm I'm just I'm curious about the specifics on that.
1: Well, I mean, again, I mean the like the work that I'm talking about was, I mean the the, the first, really the first regular work I did after doing adult stuff was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm. And so I've got Rob doing his kind of fictionalized version yeah. of that. You know, it's 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 a satirical version. I, I sincerely hope that Eastman and Laird would, if they see this, will take it in the spirit that I'm doing it because you know there's no I really have no axe to grind. It was it was a good gig. Yeah, but um, you know that was the first work I got after, not even after, but while I was doing. I think Skinheads in Love is what led me to doing Teenage Mutant mm-hmm. Ninja Turtles, which is kind of a strange segue, yeah. but, so that's that's sort of where Rob is, you know, it's like, well, the material you're doing isn't appropriate, but we like what you do, do you want to work for us? And it's like, yeah, of course, I'd like to work for you. But,
0: but you never you never saw that as being something you would keep doing? No. No.
1: No. I've never wanted to work on franchise books. Hmm. Um
0: I've always wanted to just do my own thing, so. It 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 seems like everybody's got their own uh, their own version of a superhero, though. You know, every every uh, every indie cartoonist turns to that at some point, right? I
1: think because I didn't read that stuff, it's never it's never had. There is no siren song for me. Yeah, like I can enjoy all of these superhero movies and TV things Mm -hmm. on their own. Merits mm-hmm. because I never have that. That's not what it was like in the comic. I don't know what it was like. Like, I watch Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. For me, it's a perfectly entertaining, kind of a light, frothy yeah. show. And I've already seen people are bristling at, you know, I mean, I just saw earlier today people are already angry at, I think his name is Deathlock or Deathclock. Oh. And they yeah, don't like yeah. what the outfit looks like. And again, <laughs> I never read it, so I don't care. You know, if it plays well on TV, that's fine with me. You know, I, I enjoyed the Thor movie. I enjoyed the Avengers. Um, but but enjoying those things doesn't make me want to do any of them. Yeah. You know, I I had a couple of flirtations with that kind of thing. Uh, again, going back to the the original days of, of doing minimum wage, there were a couple of editors at Marvel who liked what I did and one at DC. And they said, you know, we would like you to work on this book or that book. Mm-hmm. And I wrote these pretty elaborate pitches mm-hmm. on spec for, I mean, one of them was, I think, for X-Force. Okay. And the other was, uh, Yeah, I mean, there, you know, there were a couple of those kind of things where I thought, okay, I can write, I mean, these are ensemble things. Yeah. Once I learn what these characters are about, I can write something. And then, you know, they didn't happen. And if they had, who knows, maybe I would have become Ed Brubaker. You know, maybe my, my writing career would have supplanted... My writing and drawing my own stuff
0: that, I mean that's interesting because you I mean the dream for you for a while was 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 doing prose, um, and you did prose you did you mm-hmm. did a couple of books in there. Uh, would you you know had that taken off? Would you have been okay just putting the the drawing pen down for the foreseeable future it felt well the funny thing is it felt weird at first and then it didn't feel
1: weird at all, not mm-hmm. drawing all the time it It was a pretty easy transition. But I did miss it. I mean, yeah. I missed, in a way, more having comics out than actually doing comics, because mm-hmm. I found writing to be uh, very stimulating. You know, it. if anything, it's more exhausting mentally writing, and it's more exhausting physically drawing. You know, it's, uh, the, the days d- doing comics are longer, because mm-hmm. just executing comics, especially the way I do them, with a you know, fair amount of detail and so forth, is a longer day. But writing was there was more mental burnout because it's all thinking it's uh-huh. thinking yeah. all day long you know there's a certain kind of autopilot you can go into when mm. you when you're drawing a comic but for writing it's like every word has to to it all has to flow nicely and you're telling your story um so it was a completely different headspace that I was living in for the years I was I was writing books and I'd still I'd like to go back to you know writing novels at some point um we'll see But for now, you know, I'm really enjoying comics. And and, and there are certain things that I had conceived of as novels Mm. that now I'm thinking I would like to write as comics for other people to draw Mm. because there's just no way I'd ever have time to be able to do both. But I've got a lot of stories I'd like to tell. I also know my limitations as an artist. So there's certain things, and that's another reason why I wanted to write certain things as novels because I knew I wouldn't be the right guy to draw them. I can think of certain things that I know my my particular art style would not be suitable to, so.
0: So. How you know it, it, it seems you know you, you said you've you've you're you're happily married. You've been married for, for for twenty years. I mean, what, how how. How far do you think you can carry Rob? I mean, how how, how far can you work with that character? At what point does it do, does it just the, the minute he's. I mean, it, does oh, the it minute end he's, when he's happy? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I've always said the minute. Yeah. I mean, in a way
1: this is this is sort of I guess it's kind of the the unspoken spoiler yeah. is he is headed perhaps if I get that far to a happy ending. Yeah. But if the if but if happiness becomes part of it, that's where it ends. It yeah. has to. It's just for me that's not hmm. anything worth pursuing from that point on. Um which isn't to say he can't have happiness. Yeah, you know, because if it you do, can't be sustained. If you just do a miserable fuck, who the you know who wants yeah. to read that? You know, I don't want it, I don't want Rob to be Larry David. You mm-hmm. know, um, I don't think Rob's a miserable guy. I mean, right now he's he's sort of a, trying to redefine his life. Mm-hmm. But you know, if I just made him this sad sack, yeah. he's not really. I mean, on the other hand, you know, it's like, if in a way he. I think his, his the biggest stumbling block for him is sometimes he doesn't know how good he has it. Mm. You know, cuz again, he lacks a certain perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got good friends. He might not be having a big romance, but he's dating, you know. Yeah. It's not like he's living some miserable m- monastic yeah. life, you know, living in a in a terrible place. So but again, that's part of the character is when you're especially when you are in your yeah. 20s, you do lack
0: perspective. Most people lack perspective. So, so what, do you, what is the um, what's a bigger hurdle for happiness for him? Is it is it career or is it a relationship?
1: I think for him, career is a much bigger hurdle.
0: Yeah. I think he
1: for all of his bitching and moaning he enjoys his friends mm-hmm. he enjoys the thing i think he enjoys the people around him more than he enjoys his career mm-hmm. so. that's sort
0: of yeah i guess that's sort of you know when you're um when you're that age when you're in your early 20s i mean that's that's certainly the the mindset i was in was was like we'll figure out the career thing first and then everything else will sort of fall into place right the the relationship and all that and like that that that's something that stuff will not figure itself out, but you know this is this is the the this is the thing I have to tackle right now. Yeah, and I think for most people,
1: no matter what they do for a living or whatever, um, how they keep themselves engaged on the best end of the spectrum and distracted on maybe the less mm-hmm. fulfilling part of the spectrum is really how people get through their lives. Yeah. I mean, that's that's where culture high and low serves its purpose is to in most ways distract people from how unfulfilled they are you know why do we why do we constantly consume 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 yeah. media is to distract us mm. so very few and this is actually this is part of the media landscape that i find loathsome now is just how distracted people want to be. Mm. This is the only part where I might sound like the old man on the porch swinging his cane, but, like, when I see on TV where they say, get ready for your two-screen experience, and they want you to not only have your TV going, but have your tablet in your lap, it's just like, can't one be enough? You know, do you need to really be splitting your attention between the television Mm -hmm. and all the stuff that you, I know the behind the scenes or this yeah. or that. It's like at a certain point, being distracted from your focus, distractions. Because I actually, yeah. I think I'm one of the the very few people I know who when he watches a movie is watching the movie, mm. who when he watches a TV show is watching the TV show. I really focus my attention because for one thing, I figure if it's worth my time to watch, it's worth, you know, they the people who made that, Made an effort to make it good. The least I can do is pay it the respect it deserves by, yeah, absorbing it the way they'd
0: like it to be absorbed. That's that, that's interesting because you know, I mean that's that that's one of the the issues with um, with comics is the the amount of time it takes to create versus the amount of time it actually takes to. Read. Oh
1: yeah, and it's absurd.
0: Yeah, and do do you find yourself because you know you spend so much time doing the work? Do you find yourself um, making a point to? to soak it in a little bit longer when you're working reading other people's work. Oh, well, definitely. And you know, and I've always
1: been when it comes to comics, the ideal obviously is a great story with great art. Mm-hmm. But I know that I've picked up more books based on good art than mm-hmm. I have based on a good story. Yeah. Um because I like looking at pictures. You know, for me, I'm very visually oriented. And so to me, a comic that has bad art I actually don't care how good the story is. I'm not going to bother with it because I just figure this is a visual medium. If yeah. you're not delivering on the visuals, I'm not going to bother with what you're doing. You know, if, if like, you're a great stor- like great writer, find a great artist. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually much more forgiving of a well-drawn, badly-written thing yeah. than a well-written, badly-drawn thing. So
0: how how much did um how much did working in, in comics along how much did that sort of inform the way you were writing books because i'm sort i'm thinking of you know uh, reading um reading books by like people who have written more screenplays or something and they, they they tend to flow in a very specific way you know when you're used to writing stage directions and your you know and an exposition and things like that I, the, the prose just reads differently
1: yeah um well i think Actually, and in some ways, I was very mindful of this. I didn't... In a way, I don't think I wrote as visually as people might think. Mm-hmm. There's not a ton of description in my work. Because, in a way, for me, I I, I want people to picture things in their heads. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to hold their hand and yeah. describe every fiber of everything. Uh, I'm actually reading a book right now by one of the leanest writers of prose there ever was Donald Westlake Mm -hmm. Um, and this book's interesting uh, because unlike a lot of his other books it's very detailed in Mm -hmm. the description of the color of this and the texture of that and so forth because the book has to do with someone who's lost his memory Mm -hmm. so everything in the moment is kind of imprinting so in this case it's germane to it but like I've always been very attracted to I won't say stripped down prose because mm-hmm. I'm actually not like a fan of James Elroy, yeah. but I like lean prose. I, I I've never been a fan of these, you know, bricks of books where it's like a thousand pages. Mm-hmm. I always think you could have written a slimmer book. There's definitely fat in that book. Um and it's not because I'm a lazy reader, but I just kind of want stories that have a certain momentum. Uh-huh. So Like I say, I think for me, when it came to writing, I wanted to stretch different muscles and I was more interested in writing kind of tasty prose than descriptive prose. So language became much more Mm. of an element that I wanted to play with than anything visual. And I think some people who read the books might have thought it would have been much more visual than it actually was. Because for one thing, if you're writing about things, I mean, even though the two published novels of mine are both genre books they're both books in very recognizable pl- you know, they're in New York there's only so much you need to describe mm-hmm.
0: there you go, Bob Fingerman thanks uh, thanks so much to Bob for taking the time to do that we actually recorded that in Bob's apartment in uh, in Manhattan I'm going to say Bob might be the uh, best organized collector I've ever met You know, I, I, I know a lot of comics people, I've been to a lot of comics apartments and I don't think I've ever seen somebody with um you know, toys and comics as, as neatly organized as they were in, in Bob's apartment uh, the latest issue of Minimum Wage is out right now they're on, uh, they're on issue 3 of the I don't know if Reboot is technically I guess the continuation of, uh, of Minimum Wage and if you want to catch up with all the old issues uh, Image actually recently put out a, a thick volume uh, Maximum Minimum Wage, you can read the entire first series there uh, so thanks, uh, thanks so much Bob for taking the time to do that uh thanks to to Brian as always for editing this thing together thanks to Mark and everybody else at the boing boing podcast network for hosting us up there you can check out all sorts of great podcasts over at boingboing.net or over on iTunes and uh when when you're over at iTunes you take the time and uh, and and rate this show uh got uh, lots of good episodes coming up i think i've got like six or seven or eight already in the can so i'm just gonna kind of sit back and let and these things podcast themselves uh gonna be back next week oh my god we're gonna be back next week with uh with episode 50 uh very special interview with uh Rhett miller of the old 97s um so stick around for that and we will catch you uh just about this time next week for another episode of riyl